0: We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit taken from Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 where the Apostle Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit. And he starts by saying that, you know, we have love. And we talked about loving God and loving people and then he goes on to saying that we will also have joy and peace and last week we talked about peace and and, and tonight we talk about patience. You know, patience is one of these things um, some people are really, really patient, and some people are really, really good at being patient. Um, I am not one of those people. I confess, um, one of the best things about me living in Switzerland has actually been that I no longer drive because nothing, and, and it was funny because I mentioned this to Jenna, my wife, and and I, I sort of said patience, and, and the first thing she said, and it wasn't even a half of a second break, she said, yeah, like your road rage. And I immediately felt really ashamed, because I just have to confess this to you, um, like I said, not driving in public transportation has been really good for me, because traffic on, on, on a freeway or a motorway is something I just cannot handle. There's something about everyone braking, and there's no accident, there's no anything, but you just see the people breaking and you see it coming and you just think, why do we all have to slow down now? It's taking so long, this drives me crazy. There's no reason to be breaking like this. Or when someone is in front I, never, I can keep going, but when someone's on their phone and they're not paying attention and they break really hard and then everyone breaks and, they, and then someone hits someone and it's just it drives me crazy. I am the most impatient driver in the world. Public transportation is great for my spiritual life. <laughs> But patience is something that's really important. Those of you who are parents know that this is a vital thing we must teach children. To be patient, to wait. You know, I I put this quote up here because I thought it was hilarious. It's after the scripture. Margaret Thatcher said, I'm extraordinarily patient provided I get my own way in the end. (laughs) It's not very biblical, but I think this is how many of us treat patience. We think, yeah, I'll wait, that's fine, so long as everyone comes to my understanding. All right? it's, I'm happy to wait and, and, and wait with you and, and take time as long as you come to my understanding and to my side of the argument, or whatever it is we're talking about. But it doesn't often happen. And I think that scripturally, to be Christians who are loving, who are joyful, who are peaceful, that patience, very clearly Paul puts in here because it's very important. It's very important, and it's something we all sort of struggle with. And I chose these two passages very specifically. When we look at the story from Genesis with Jacob and, and, and his uncle, um, if you didn't know, he marries his cousin. It's a little weird, but it was a long time ago. Um, I, I want to address some issues with this story because, as I said, you know, it's sort of an odd story for us today. This isn't really how we operate. Um, and so I want to explain to you some of the things we can learn, not only about God, but things that we can apply to our own lives as well. So as I mentioned, Jacob was not actually Laban's servant. He was his nephew who had come from his family to live with him. And he enters into this agreement, as it says, this sort of indentured servitude. I desire to marry your daughter, Rachel. I find her very pretty. Leah has weak eyes, um, and, and I'm not interested in weak eyes, so I want to marry him, Rachel. And they agreed to this deal. And after seven years, the the father somehow tricks Jacob. Seems unfair, seems underhanded. Why would this happen? To those of you who are familiar with the story of Jacob, know that the reason he ran away from his home was because he gained his father's favor by a similar deceitful trick. You know, another question I have whenever I read this story is, how could he not know that it was the wrong sister? I mean, this is sort of, I, I sort of wonder. And, and I don't know the details. The scriptures don't give us details. But we do know that our modern-day beautiful lace wedding veils actually come from ancient traditions of, of a bride being completely veiled. And that's the best I can do. So if you have that question, talk to someone who knows more about the Old Testament. And, and, and we also, I remember reading this and thinking in light of modern um, things that have come in the news and that we always read in the news, we, we read a story about a man kind of bargaining out his daughters and how awful it sounds, and, and sadly, uh, just to remind us that in ancient times, unfortunately and very sadly, that, that women were seen more as possessions than people. And so as we look at some of these things, we begin to realize how some of this story can make sense so long ago. And Jacob, as we know, becomes angry. But the father sort of says, hey, you know, around here, and this is really interesting, it's actually, if you didn't know, there's a lot of sarcasm in the Bible. In Hebrew, they use sarcasm a lot. And, 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 and Laban, the father essentially says, well, around here, we give the older daughter in marriage first, sort of mocking Jacob, because he would have known that, hey, Jacob lied to his father to get the blessing over his brother Esau. And says, I don't care what you want around here, this is the rule and this is how we do things. And don't feel too bad. As we know and as we sang in that song, God of Jacob, that Leah plays an integral role in the future, that actually Leah becomes the mother of the line that would eventually be King David and Jesus. And so Leah plays an integral role in this story as Jacob's story unfolds, but in modern times, as we look at this story, it seems unthinkable. It seems unthinkable that God would use polygamy, indentured servitude, lying, deception. How could any of this happen? I mean, do we ever even hear what these servant girls thought of Jacob? As you read on, it says that they gave their servant women to lie with Jacob and have children, and you think, well, what did they think of Jacob. How could God do this? Well, I want to mention something just briefly that that always helps us understand some of these Old Testament narratives. And, And remember when Jesus was talking with people and he would tell a parable or he would tell a story? And immediately they would ask, hey, Jesus, what did that mean? And Jesus would sort of say, why don't you get it? I think about this. And I think of how close Jesus was with his disciples and how he followed them, they followed him around and they spent every day together. And I think sometimes God wished we tried harder to understand. I think God is constantly trying to show us his love and his mercy and his wisdom uh, kind of on our level. In a place and in a way that we can understand it. And this story is sort of what, what that is, that God was working within the cultural understanding of the time. And so all of these weird things or things that are weird to us, with a father giving his daughter in marriage and marriage and then having this trick and having multiple wives and everything, this was all culturally understood at the time. And this is God entering into the world of his people and saying, listen, I am trying to show you something. And we look at the themes that God is showing them. So so as we look at this story, we see that God is meeting Jacob, how he can best understand. And and that God came and interceded with this story with Jacob because he wanted Jacob to turn from his ways, the the ways that he had lied to his father. You know, what's amazing about following God, and this goes for all of us. Have you ever considered the fact that just saying you believe in God or saying that you want to be or that you are a Christian inherently makes you patient or it should make you patient? The simple acceptance of God's promises come on faith. I, how many of you immediately when you prayed to receive Christ or maybe the first time you took communion or when you were baptized or, or when you went through confirmation immediately had all of God's wisdom and knowledge and understanding... None. See, to be a Christian is to wait for something that we desire. Heaven, glory, peace. But to be a Christian is to know that it will not come right away. And that God, in the meantime, as we're waiting and as we're in this in-between time, some of you may have heard it said the already, but not yet. The kingdom of God is already, right? Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, but it's not quite yet, that God works in strange ways in this in-between time with us. And because of this, our ability to be patient individuals, our ability to wait becomes essential. And if we were to just simply rush ahead and if we don't practice patience, if we don't learn what it means to be patient, then God cannot work in us. And what's amazing is even though we rush ahead and even though we desire more understanding at our pace rather than God's pace, God shows us the example and is so patient with us. I mean, God's patience with us is a theme that we could dig into for weeks on end going through Scripture and how people have directly disobeyed Him and God is patient with them time and time again. But remember why Jacob was even in this place, why Jacob, Jacob even found himself serving and meeting these people was because he lied to his father in the name of the Lord. He deceived his dying father because he was not patient, because he wanted his father's blessing. and He said, I cannot wait. My brother is gone. I need to get it now. And yet God is patient with him. And God forgives him. And just before, in Genesis 28, God actually sets up a promise with Jacob and says, listen, you did something bad with your father. I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to set up a promise with you, Jacob. Will you be patient this time? See, see when, when we are impatient and when we rush to things, we enter into sin. Jacob did something that was wrong. But then when he turns it around and God says, Jacob, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to give you a family. I'm going to take care of you. Will you be patient this time? And, and we see in this story that Jacob's growth is in his patience. That God actually will fulfill his promises even though what happened to Jacob seemed unfair. Seemed unjust and it seemed wrong to him. See, brothers and sisters, following God takes patience. Sin is immediate. Sin is easy. Sin is right away. It's a, it's, it doesn't take work. But the Christian, the person, the man or woman who displays the fruit of the Spirit is patient. And we see that in Paul's letter to the Romans. If you look at our passage that we read from Romans, the Apostle Paul starts by saying, I consider our present sufferings are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. He says, if you are experiencing suffering, if you are experiencing pain, if you are experiencing injustice, it does not even stack up to the glory that will one day be. Because it's not just us who's waiting, is it? It's not just you and me. It's not just those who are experiencing injustice. injustice, But all of creation, all of creation is eagerly awaiting for God to return. Why? In verse 20 he says, because we were all subject to the same frustration. That God made this beautiful world. And it says very clearly that not by his own choice, or not by its own choice, but that the creation itself needs to be liberated, that something needs to happen to where we in creation can be liberated from our bondage, liberated from our pain. And we know. We know this. We see it. You know, waiting is the absolute worst. Anyone who's ever waited to hear for for something really important, waited for that phone call, um... More recently, I think of, you know, those who, who have looked for work. I was one of those before I came here. Waiting for that email, waiting for that phone call, waiting for that. I said, I, they said I would hear by Tuesday and it's Wednesday morning. What do I do? <laughs> waiting is awful. You know, I remember I grew up with a lot of kids around and a lot of cousins. And, and I remember, you know, it's great when a kid begins to understand holidays and Christmas and things to look forward to. And one of the ways we did it in my family was we'd always talk about, you know, how many sleeps. How many times do I have to sleep until this thing happens? And I remember one of my, one of my little cousins, the name was Colton, coming up to me. And, and, and Christmas, he loved Christmas because everyone was all together. Grandma made cinnamon rolls or cinnamon buns, you know. And, 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 and it was so great, and it was his favorite day. And he would come to us and say, how many sleeps till Christmas? And he would ask something in, in, in March. You know, he'd be like, Colton... I, I can't count that high, buddy. Just, just wait, just wait. And as time would go on, though, as it would get close, he would see his eyes just lighten up, right? How many sleeps till Christmas? You know, five sleeps. Wow. How many sleeps till Christmas? Just three more. Wow. Waiting doesn't have to be awful. And there's something that as Christians we are waiting for that is the greatest thing we could ever imagine. See, just like Jacob, Jacob was waiting for a promise to be fulfilled that God had made him. And we too are waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. But our promise is even clearer than the one Jacob received. And it's not just any promise. It's not just a kind of good promise. It is a good promise from a good God. It is a loving promise from a loving God. You know, when I think about that first quote I shared, <laughs> how great is it that we don't get our way in the end? Hey, yes, I'll be patient if, if, so long as I get my way. I'll be honest with you, I'm glad I don't get my way and that God has said, no, you're an idiot, Sam. We're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it my way. And wait till you see how wonderful it is. You thought you liked Christmas. Wait till you see how wonderful it's going to be. And the Apostle Paul tells the Romans, he says, it's for this hope we are saved. In verse 24, you were saved. This is our hope that we will be redeemed. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. We have to trust that the Word of God is trustworthy and honest and true. And then he goes in, this is the great thing, is he says, listen, but but the Spirit helps us. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient to wait. But as I mentioned before, we are not very good at the patience thing. We're not very good at the waiting thing. I want it now. Our generation, our modern world is so spoiled and is so used to immediate gratification the, I have an author who I love, and one of the things he wrote about was how the Christian church has become like Walmart. And in the U.S., if you've ever been to a Walmart, it's fantastic because you can get everything. I mean, you can get apples, you can get tires for your car, you can get a rifle to shoot a deer, you can get clothes for your baby, you can get CDs, you can get electric, I mean, you can get everything at Walmart. And he writes about it, and he says it's this modern understanding of church that we think we can just show up at church and get whatever we want, when we want it, on that day to feel better about ourselves. But that's not what God says in Scripture, is it? God says you must wait, and you may not see the hope sometimes. You may have difficulties. Paul says very clearly, we have present sufferings. Do you trust that the future glory, do you trust that the promise of God is worth all of it? And do you trust that the Holy Spirit, as he says here, that the Holy Spirit in verse 26 will help you in your weakness? And even when you do not even know what to pray for, that the Spirit will will somehow intercede inside of you with groans that words can't even express. You can't even put it into words, but you know God is there. And you know that God is giving you the things to pray for. What Paul is essentially saying here is we have no reason to be afraid of waiting. We have no reason to be afraid of the promises God has given us because God knows what He needs. God knows what you need. And God is trying to tell you what you need. And in verse 27, we see that the Holy Spirit will accomplish this. That through you and through your patience, that God will accomplish what He has set out to do in you. We wait to see what God has for us and we listen to the Spirit. You know, and what's amazing is as we we look at this, we begin to see that all of these fruit of the Spirit, all of the work of God in our lives just begins to build on top of itself. That as we're more loving, we can be more joyful. And as as we're loving and joyful, then we can find inner peace. And when we have this inner peace that we talked about last week, then, then patience is just that much easier. Yeah, I want to show you a quote that's maybe a little bit better than that first one. Henry Nowen says that a waiting person is a patient person. And the word patience means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in your waiting, in your patience, God is trying to reveal something hidden? Maybe it's something you need to work on. Maybe it's something how you can love and serve others. I don't know what it is. But do you believe there is something hidden, even in your waiting, even in your anxiety, that God is doing something inside of you? In my own spiritual life and in my own Christian journey, I have come to believe a couple of things that are absolute, and one of them is this, is that God does not waste time. And if you feel like there, there's, you're in a stopgap in life and that you're in this in-between period where nothing is happening and you're just waiting for the next thing, that is a lie. Even in times of waiting, God desires to teach us, God desires to show us truth. As it says, the Holy Spirit is groaning inside of us at all times. God does not waste time. And even in these uncomfortable times of waiting, God is desiring to reveal His truth to you because this life is a battle. And if you are not listening to God, that means you have closed your ears to the Spirit and the enemy is winning. And I would be remiss if in patience I did not mention sin because I believe in the same way God wants you to be patient and God desires that we are patient people, that the enemy wants you to be impatient. Impatient. The enemy wants you to be impulsive. The enemy wants you to be short-tempered. The enemy wants me to lose my patience when I'm driving on the freeway because then my wife and I begin to argue, and, and then the whole time that we have this time in the car that could have been beautiful has just been ruined because I have not been patient. See, sin creates unrest in our lives. Sin creates uneasiness in our lives. And God does not desire that for you. Sin lies and tells you that you must control the outcome, that you must reach in and manipulate everything that's happening around you because you can't trust other people with the details. But when you reach in and manipulate everything around you and try to control that which around you, what you're saying is, I don't trust God with the details. Your sin tells you that your way is the best result. And God says your way is the worst possible result. Brothers and sisters, hear me now. Do not cling to the false promises of sin. We have all been down that road. Remember where that road leads. Let God lead. As it was with Jacob and so too Paul's letter to the Romans, we have a good God who has promised good things. And a patient person is a person who trusts the outcome. Whenever that day comes, it also trusts that not just the outcome will be good, but that in the process of waiting, God will reveal Himself to you, His love and His justice and His mercy along the way. The godly man or woman trusts that in their waiting and in their patience, God is there and that God will be with them. And that the Holy Spirit will be interceding along the way to help them. If you're not familiar with Romans 8, I wanna, it's not going to be on the screen, but I'd invite you to look at the end of it with me. I want to read the end of Romans 8 as we close tonight and head to the communion table. Romans 8 is a fantastic chapter, by the way, if you're not familiar with it. But I want to read Romans 8, 31 to 39 for us as we head into communion. The Apostle Paul says this, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. Brothers and sisters, we are more than conquerors. And in light of all of these truths, let us be women and men who are patient, who wait to hear from the Holy Spirit and trust that the outcome God has for you is far better than anything you could have conceived on your own. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. God, I thank you for this text, and I thank you for the things we can learn about in our impatience and sin, we rush. We practice deceit and malice. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us of our sinful desires and our sinful actions, Lord. We know that the cross has made us clean. And so, Lord, as we look to our future, as we look to what you have for us, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we love you. Because you showed us what love was. And it is for that reason we honor you with praise and worship and coming to the table. To remember what love is. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God the Father. Amen.